What's the story, Morning Glory? Hello and welcome back to the very first episode of the new season of Girls Talk Comics. Woo! I am your Lieutenant of Literature, Jessica. And if you're new here from the Twitter, you probably don't know who I am. But the girl everyone's here to see is... Technically, everyone's here to see both of us. Or actually, see neither of us, but listen to both of us. But Mm. if you are from the Twitter, you've been talking and hearing from me, Erin, your master of mediocrity. Who is a pendant. But we're happy to have you here. Today, we are going to be talking about Mooncakes by Wendy Shu and Suzanne Walker. Walker? Walker? Suzanne Walker? Did you just go Southern for that? I don't know. Maybe. Why you gotta hate? I'm from the South. Midwest. The South. I can't do it now that I'm thinking too hard about it. Uh, the Midwest is close enough, I think, right? No. The South would kill me if they heard me say that, so maybe I'll just cut that off. Don't come for me. I know it's different. Uh, Joe Amet Gill also did the lettering. Joe Amet. There's a reason I don't say the names, and it's because I'm bad at all names. Hashtag yes, all names. I'm very bad at them. So let me just apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, do you ever do that thing where you read things and you're like, yep, that's a word, and your brain just refuses to make the sounds for it? That's how I've gotten through my entire life with names. So, welcome to Girls Talk Comics, where the comics are great, and Aaron does the naming. The difference between Jessica and I is I just say it with confidence. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally I get online and I see the threads from comic creators who are like, you guys are all butchering names, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, Erin, do you want to introduce Mooncakes for us? I'd love to. This book is Jessica's dream come true. It has found family, lady-type friendships, and a saccharine sweet love story, all with a nice glaze of supernatural adventure and demonic possession. Tam is a runaway werewolf, attempting to fix the damage caused by a magic-abusing cult that was targeting them and their werewolf powers. Nova is a young witch, still in her apprenticeship, but someone who has known and loved Tam since they were both kids. This story is them healing, growing, and saving the day. It starts with a reunion, and Tam quickly gets brought into Nova's family, where they all work together to try to trap, understand, and destroy this demon rampaging in the forests outside of their town. It's not long before Nova and Tam pick up where they left off. A sweet little kiss. But falling back into romance is rough for our werewolf. Apparently, it's exactly what the cult wants, priming Tam for possession. Unfortunately, they capture our young werewolf, but Nova, her grandparents, and her best friend immediately come to their rescue, and with an army of spirits. It doesn't all go according to plan, though. No matter how well potions are thrown or spells cast, Tam does get possessed by the wolf demon. Trapped in their mind, they confront the wolf demon and find it's just like them. A being who was used, abused, and hurt by evil people. So they become friends. 
Like instantaneously. It's wonderful. And the wolf demon lets Tam go, and Tam, returning the favor, uses the last of their magic to heal the wolf demon. It turns out it's actually a wolf spirit who's best friends with all the spirits in the forest that they found and came to Tam's rescue. Anyways, they all live happily ever after. Tam and Nova are all super sweet, and all is good for them again. They get to go on and start their next adventures. They get to grow up. And there are no more wolf demons. The end. And she gets rid of a shitty stepdad. So it is really my dream come true. Oh, that's also true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Tam and Nova are also just like super cute partners. I love them. Oh my god. Saccharine sweet is exactly the right word for it. Because it is so cute. My teeth hurt. Like, I love it. But it makes my teeth hurt. And you emotion. But also I love it. I love it. I'm really glad you liked the intro. <laughs> I did. I did. Because it's true. Funny story for our listeners is I read this thinking that I was being good and reading extra credit and helping Aaron on the Twitter. <laughs> and and then I found out that, no, I was just reading ahead for an actual comic podcast that we were going to be doing. <laughs> Once again, reinforcing that apparently everything that I read ends up being on the podcast. So I read this with a different hat on than I usually do. I didn't read this like as a, I'm going to do a podcast on this. I read this as I'm enjoying this comic. And I can't tell you what's different about it, but something is a little bit different about it. And I, I just, yeah, I just got immersed in this story. Like it's been a while since I have. And I think the difference is I was just allowed to feel the emotional beats without like making note in the back of my head, like some weird, like, I don't know reviewer or something that I oh there's emotional beat here yeah it was well done like I was just able to experience the emotional beats in this which was a really nice change of pace for me personally and can't I just have one part that I just absolutely have to talk about in this so if you don't mind okay yeah yeah so I don't I don't mind go for it Cam uses they pronouns right and they address this yes and other like diversity aspects with such grace and matter of factness that this is one of those comics that I've added to my list of things that are just default decent and like I would give this to a small child as a thing to enjoy like even the romance is just completely PG rated like I yeah this is on my list of things I would give people this is the world we want to live in comic book and the scene is perfect so when they address Tim's pronouns Tim is getting reintroduced to the grandmas I'm not exactly sure about the grandmas if they're like a couple yes. or just sisters but I don't know I think they're a couple I think I think they are too and grandma's like there are towels in the closet that she can use and Tim immediately says they and beg pardon I use they pronouns now of course I'm so sorry my dear my mistake. Do either of you need anything? And then from then on, everyone uses they pronouns. Like, no drama, no fumbling, no, like, I'm gonna grieve your dead name or pronouns. Like, this is just, boop, okay, switch made. Love it. So I just had to, like, it was one page. It was literally just not even the full page. Like, four four panels of this comic. I was just like, hey, this is how this conversation can go. And it's fine. And that's forever going to be my, like, model for explaining to people, like, how that should happen. I'm sorry, I just had to... And that was the, the thing that stuck out in my head the most after all of this. Because I live in a small rural part of Midwest, and uh, I have people that are in my life that have trans and non-binary, like, grandkids and stuff, like, appearing that they want to talk to me about because I'm, like, the only person who... Seems open to that, you know. It's this big secret for them that their family members are going through this. And it's like, (laughs) 
you know, like you obviously love this person. This can be how that goes and that can be okay. Like you, you don't have to make a big deal out of this. I know that a lot of stuff is out there saying that you should make a big deal out of this, but if you love the person, you should want that person to be happy. And that includes trying to make that person comfortable and like letting them be who they are, you know? So I just loved it. It was just like immediately my favorite and most memorable part of this book. Yeah, I thought that was a really poignant scene. Um, and I absolutely adored that about the family and about the universe that was created. I was actually really impacted by the fact that Nova was deaf or hard of hearing and used her hearing aid to practice like she used it as a spell component to distract the villain at one point in the story and i really loved that and i I loved that whole like magical trance world that they got to join in and how she she didn't need to hear during in that space and how it was really kind of a freeing experience for her i just i enjoyed that i love it when representation for different abilities or disabilities is present. And I say abilities or not, or different just levels of need. I also just loved that creativity with using the hearing aid as a spell component. I thought that was so cool. I was like, yes, let's incorporate technology and magic, uh, which I really love when people do that. Let's incorporate audio in magic. I don't, I don't know. I loved, I loved that entire vibe and I loved that scene. So there is a lot of really good stuff about this book. I did have one thing that I disliked about this book. Okay. It's named after mooncakes, which they have as a food, but food had nothing to do with the story. And so that was the only complaint that I had. (laughs) (laughs) Like they have a dinner scene and it's family coming together, but like... Yeah. And that kind of leads me to the the magic in this, like the way that they manufactured is very much like... (sighs) I don't know. I want to say, like, it's almost, it gave me, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's, like, vibes. Like, kind of like a modern, academic practice, you know? Like, there's the spirit realm, and there's, you know, like, a very universal feel to the magic. And even to that dinner that they were having, you know, where the where the parents came back and, and ate his ghost or whatever. It felt very much, like transcultural, you know? Like, because it, it had mooncakes involved, but, mm, like, mm-hmm. also different aspects of, like, harvest feasts and stuff that weren't strictly one culture or another. Very much, like, a sort of trans neo-pagan thing happening. And I really, like, I liked it. Because it felt comfortable and familiar, but also had new, interesting aspects. And I feel like, I don't know, obviously, but um, I feel like a lot of different people could feel that sense of familiarity and also that sense of new aspects like because of the way that they blended so many things into the story you know it it became universal but also interesting i don't know did you get that no i yeah there were a lot of there were a lot of touchstones that i had but and a lot of new things because it wasn't you know predominantly like white culture so it was engaging because of the newness appeal to it but it was also familiar enough like i can recognize a bookstore i can recognize some of the tools they were using some of the things they were talking about from just other kind of cultural absorption you know the importance of food and family 
the emotional struggles that they were going through in regards to the uh, having lost family members and things like that. It was refreshing, and I really enjoyed seeing that in this book. I think I'm saying what you're saying as well. It's just instead of putting words like neo pagan because you're the lit person, you you get to see that stuff. <laughs> uh, I just enjoyed being able to relate, but also not relate to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Uh- I just say neo-pagan because that's like what a lot of modern witchcraft and stuff sort of falls under in an umbrella. And it felt a little bit like this could be a fantastical version of like modern witch practicing. Like, you know what I mean? Like it felt, it felt like almost realistic in the way that it was going about it just because of the practical aspects that they were talking about, like the use of the hearing aid and the use of, you know, invention and it didn't feel bogged down by tradition and history such, you know, it felt like informed by it and on the cusp of growth or something. I don't know. It felt very much like a world of possibilities. That's, I think that's what I mean. And I really okay. enjoyed it. Yeah. Also, in that world of possibilities, there's this young love aspect where they're exploring the possibilities of their childhood sweethearts turned teenage romance or young 20s romance, and there's a little bit of, like, tension between the BFF and Tam. Like, Tam feels very threatened by Nova's best friend, and I think that's just adorable, because it wasn't, like, toxic. They didn't take it so far that it became a problem, but it did show a little bit of that, like, growth and the uncertainty and the, you know, because, like, when you're dealing with non-heteronormative situations, like, that is that is a real feel. Like, where does friendship end and romance begin? And are you sure about your, you know, it's that uncertainty of new love, right? And it felt very much like, yeah, okay, so we're just trying yes. to feel out our boundaries again and trust and all of this. And it was very just, I don't know, the way they did it was so, everything in this was so pure and innocent and cute and just saccharine sweet, but also, like, rooted in something that felt very authentic and i just <laughs> that particular women love women like um situation was my favorite it was my favorite and i know it's not women love women now but whenever they were kids it was so it was very much like we're still feeling <laughs> like i know you're attracted to more than one gender and your BFF right. is your BFF and is your main source of solace now that I have been gone for years and like where does that leave our relationship kind of deal like so that's the part that I really I don't know like I really just found all of that super just cute as hell like just adorable like oh sweet babies like loving each other and <laughs> figuring out what that means and I don't know just 100%. 100%. I do have to say that that best friend, Tatiana, was a ride or die. She was was just so good supporting Nova. She And she, of course, kind of came on and I think was a little sassy towards Tam or about the idea of Tam. And I love that that tension was so short-lived. And even I love that it was like Tam figuring out that it was kind of them growing and being more comfortable with people knowing about them and their powers and less to do with the fact that Nova and Tatiana had a friendship before. Like it, it it was just really, really cute watching Tam also grow into somebody who could be more confident in themselves and in those around them. 
And so that was really, really great. I also just really love Tatiana because she was just like, so what? You're a witch, you're a werewolf. I get it. It's fine. I'm sassy. I'm going to come out and do my best to help my friend with her partner and making sure that her partner is okay. Uh, because I know how to throw potions and that's something that I can do as a non-magical person. And so I really love that she rolled up for the end to save, to save Tam. Yeah. Cause there was a little bit of tension there, right? About, cause the BFF was all about that science and that the whole witchcrafting was hokey and silly. And, you know, oh, yeah. but she was right or die. So like when shit hit the fan, she's like, I'm gonna throw shit. It's fine. Like, let's go. <laughs> and I have to say, I have a sweet yeah. spot, like a sweet spot in my heart for grandmas being penultimate. Like, listen, practical magic has informed a lot more of my life than I would like to give credit to. And the aunts, like I was getting an aunt vibe from these grandmas. Like they roll up and they're like, all right, we gonna fix it. And like they, they were the, you know, like, but not to, invalidate what the teens did right the early 20 somethings or whatever did a lot but it was also like okay but we're gonna just go ahead and put these people like the demon in a cage and it's not gonna get out of the cage because we've done this before (laughs) like have we mentioned we're badasses like this i mean Mm -hmm. this is the grandma culture i want like (laughs) yes let's just have badass grandmas rolling around like playing support for all of the young adult like <laughs> magical entities growing up like yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna be the tank it's fine makes me happy exactly exactly <laughs> no i I'm, I'm here for that too so i have a favorite panel that stood out in this book yeah towards the end when they are fighting the cult there's a one panel after it's over where they <laughs> There's a little spirit who's just like flipping off the bad guy. <laughs> and I oh, man. loved that panel so much. Oh my god. It's towards the end. Okay. So not in the epilogue. Not in the epilogue. Is it the is it the you mess with them, you mess with us panel? With the little uh, oh, oh I it's it. um page two twenty seven. I thought that yeah. was okay. And so he's got like his little funny. tongue sticking out. Okay, so I I see that, but I also I read it because I'm who I am. I read it as the pull your your eye down, tongue out gesture. Like you know which one I'm talking okay, about. Okay, it like, might have that. been that gesture, but he also looks like he's flipping him off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I I vote it's both because that makes me happy. <laughs> yes, but I just I love that panel so much. And I love that spirit. You don't know anything about the them except that they're green and have mushrooms on them. And they're in, in a couple of different panels, and I love it. Like at the one at the end of 227 where he's just floating and he's got this massive smile on his face. Or he's standing. And he's still got the smile. On yeah. Him, but absolutely love it. He's okay. my hero. That's who I would be he in is- this book. If I was a character. That spirit. Yeah. There's a couple of pretty badass looking spirits that I'm like, mm. Yeah, we can hang. They look just... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's some good shit. It's some good shit. It is such good shit. So, like, I don't know if you noticed, but the same mushroom spirits, apparent its fighting skill is to vomit on, on the bad guys, so... I didn't notice that, but that is also something that I would do. So... Uh, 
It's 10 out of 10. Yes. I am the spirit. And if you read it, you could just be like, this is Aaron's personality. (laughs) I mean, I probably wouldn't vomit on people because I like, this is going to be really gross to some people. And I'm so sorry, but like, I'm also one of those people grossed out by this conversation. So, yay. (laughs) Are you a sympathetic heaver? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. I've really come to terms with it. Tried to grow. (laughs) No, I think I was going to say, like, I really love the cast for this book. I love how the story progressed. And it's an all ages kind of thing. It's definitely, I think, a young adult teen graphic novel, but I think it's could be an all ages book. It was heartwarming. We already said it was super sweet. And it didn't really feel like a coming of age. Like I felt like Nova and Tam had a lot of abilities and it was more about kind of healing and from their past and moving on and less becoming adults. Does that make sense? And I'm I'm pleased with that still. Like I'm I'm not unhappy with that narrative. Tam had a lot of stuff to work through and they worked through it. I mean, they literally got kidnapped and were forced to work through it, but they worked through it. And Nova was grieving. I mean, her parents had died and she was still at home with her grandparents. And then I guess at the end of this adventure was like, you know, I can handle this. (laughs) Life is good. I've got my best friend and my partner with me now. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Just felt less coming of age, more like healing, and I loved it. I'm so glad we read this. I definitely feel you on that. It felt it felt more realistic. I mean, in that way, because a lot of people don't go on huge magical journeys. They just it, the time marches relentlessly on, and you either deal with your baggage or you don't. You know, it felt a little bit like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that pause period, that gap year period, a little bit like that moment where you make the decision of how far your journey is going to take you, you know, like the pre journey to adulthood, like, you know, there is a few years in there where you're sort of stuck in this like, what now situation, you know, 20 to 25 is real damn rough. And I feel like this was like them entering that period, but like, Mm-hmm. In the best possible way, because they did, they dealt with that shit before they kind of left the, I mean, like, Nova did before she left the nest. Uh, Taeyong's situation is different, obviously, but also, like, yeah, like, Nova gave Tam a sort of safe harbor, a place to pause and to take a breath and then to make a clean, fresh start. And I think that is just really cool. It's really cool because it it shows a couple of different ways to get to the same thing. But you're right. It didn't feel like the like the journey aspect like most narratives are about that time of your life. It was like, yeah, like we had. Yeah, we came into the second adventure just fine. Yeah, no, definitely. It is it is different reading something not for the podcast and then realizing that it was actually for the podcast. I feel like I I definitely didn't pay as much attention to, like, literary and, like, themes and all that. Like, I didn't really, 
I don't know, focus on that when I was reading it. So a lot of this, like, a lot of these thoughts kind of developing after the fact. But, like, for me, the main thing that came out of reading this the first time was just decency. You know, I, I think I am pleasantly surprised every time I read something that just feels, like, decent to its worldview. Like the worldview is just primarily decent. It starts in a decent, inclusive place and it takes you on the entertaining journey from there. And I just love it. I love it so much. And I'm happy that we're covering it for the podcast because I don't know that a couple of uh, DMs that I send you for a tweet would be enough because this was just too cute. Definitely. You know, and I do want to say, I think you should maybe read books like if you have the time and effort of course i wonder if you would enjoy it more if you read books twice or you like just read it once to read it and then go through and think about it in terms of what do you want to talk about because that's that's kind of what i do i look at things and i'm like all right we're gonna go through it one time and hopefully i'll remember points that i want to make and then i go through it a second time trying to actually make notes and come up with specific scenes or stuff that I want to talk about. So like, I don't yeah, want to put I mean, a lot of pressure on you about what to <laughs> do or it's how not to voluntary. participate. That was, no, that's just, it's not voluntary, Erin. I swear it's not. I just, you know, I put, it's a different hat when I'm reading <laughs> it. I'm like, Oh, I know. And so now I'm un, like, like unconsciously making all of these like, you know, and this is not something that's limited to the podcast. Like sometimes when I'm reading things, that's just the hat that falls on my head, and I'm like, oh no, I can't just enjoy this. Now I'm looking for things that are wrong, or you know, and I don't think that's bad. I think that's we should fair. be critical of things that we're reading, but it's really hard that's whenever true. you start being critical of things, and I think that's part of it. Like. I'm trying to be more critical of the literature and culture that I'm letting into my circle in my brain because I don't want to internalize prejudices and I don't want to unintentionally like support or, you know, encourage that in the world that I'm participating in. And it takes pieces like this that just sort of come from a place of inclusion and just decency. Again, I keep using that word, but it's all I can use it takes that for me to be able to kind of shed that hat so i think that might be part of it too like Mm. is just trying to pay attention you know to the best of my ability as a very lucky person who doesn't have to deal with a whole lot of prejudices other than like you know gender prejudices um to try to pay attention to those that are going on in the world around me and I gotta say I'm not mad at it I it's something that, yeah. that has definitely, yeah it's not it's something that's developed since we started doing the podcast I know I mean I was doing it before but it's definitely taking on new reverse since we started doing the podcast and I love that I love that yeah yeah no this was a nice palate cleanser you know yeah no I and I've been critical of media I've consumed for a little while I don't think really as intensely as I could be or should be, but I've actively avoided some popular media just because, you know, it might, it might be listed as an adult thing or 
in for mature, but the nature of that maturity is still not something I want to engage with. You know, like I don't, I don't want to watch incredibly violent scenes all the time that Mm -hmm. are trying to be influential in how it's, you know, like we're going to challenge stereotypes and tropes. Like you don't have to do that with violence like all the time. And I don't need to see that violence or hate perpetuated uh, in media when it's something that I actively have to deal with with clients or with or hear from my friends and my loved ones or even myself. So it's just like, I get it. I get it. And I love reading stuff like Mooncakes because I think like, one, it it fills my cup a little bit to see a world that uh, is positive and loving, much like what you were talking about. But I also like knowing that Mooncakes exist because I know there's going to be a child out there or a young adult or even an adult who's going to pick it up and it's going to influence their life. And it's going to create a story where kindness wins, creativity wins, friendship wins, you know, and instead of it being some nihilistic anger that (laughs) comes out on top, it's goodness. And I find a lot of joy in that narrative. And I like to read those things that remind me that good people exist and sometimes they win. And that's what I like about being more active in the choices. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm rambling. Totally. 100%. No, not. I, I said 100%. I did not mean to the rambling. I meant to the, yes, it makes sense. <laughs> and I agree. And I like the track that we have kind of placed ourselves on in our consumption of comics and graphic properties. Because I came in to reading, I know you came in around the same time I did, um, there was a lot of new exploration of like what women can bring as content creators, but there was also nothing but freaking grimdark every gosh dang where. So, um, yes. Yeah. I like being older and being able to sort of like push past that emo screamo stage of comic consumptions that I was on because I loved it. I mean, like, I really did. Dark Knight Rises and all of that stuff. Like, looking back on it, I'm like, why? But, like, at the time, it felt great. It was like, yes, this is awesome. I want to be involved. And now I'm like, oh, God, it's exhausting. Please make it stop. So, like, yeah. No, I like the way that read comics now. And I am looking forward to doing a lot more of it this year. Yes, I'm so excited for what we've got kind of on the agenda and how we're going to do it. And I, I like I've been reading a lot of horror. Speaking of the grimdark, but even the horror that I'm reading is not just like gore fest horror. It's kind of an existential vibe. Which even though it's horror and thus grimdark, it's also like still emotional because it's existential in its foundation. If that makes sense. So it's still going to be reflective and it's still going to be evocative and thought provoking. It's just not, it's not going to give me nightmarish and like somebody's go, it, I don't know how to really compare it because I do have a lot of body horror that's gory in the stuff that I'm reading, but it's, it's not going to be like the over the top violence, 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 horror. it's, you know, failed relationships or uh, not meeting personal standards and that existential part. Not really, 
really gets to okay. me because I overthink my life a lot. But, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, well, and I think with horror specifically, what I like about the genre and what I like to, because I'm a big horror fan, but I'm a big horror fan and like, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it. I want to call it like neo-horror where it seems like a lot of creators are using the medium to export issues that are specific to minorities. So like when instead of showing graphic like assault on women, what they're doing is they're exporting the sense of horror of walking down the street into something that everyone feels to be a bit more, I don't know, it, it, whenever you export a specific feeling into something that everyone can understand, you know, and like you take it from a specific situation and you're obviously taking it from that specific situation, but also like making it a universal type of horror because that universality I think is very much, I don't know. I like to think it's healing because it's like horror shared is horror halved maybe like, and maybe that's kind of what I get from it. Uh, mm-hmm. A sense of catharsis of like, yeah, everyone feels this like, you know, get out was something that, felt very much like like that or like annihilation felt very much like that for me or like um you know us it felt very much like taking issues that minorities are forced to deal with on a 24 7 basis and exporting the horror of those types of issues you know that they're dealing with those types of microaggressions those types of like macroaggressions all of that and making it into something that is universally consumable and draws that sense of foundational terror out of a person, you know, and then afterward you feel like, you know, you've, you've done growth in some way. And like, that is very different than last house on the left where you're just using that as a tool to hurt people. You're not, you're not including others. You're not making it inclusive. You're using it as an attack on, you know, specific peoples. So I I know what you're talking about. And I definitely, that's how I like to engage with horror as well. Because, yeah, you don't want to just keep getting hammered as somebody who lives that all your life, you know, in an unproductive way, I think. And if it can be subtle, then so much better. Yeah, definitely. And kind of on that note, though, it's nice, like, Mooncakes is the opposite of that. Tonally? But it still provides the same, I think, catharsis for me because it's like, yeah, it's not terrifying. It's not an exploration of how have I been hurt or how could I be hurt? It's how can things go well? When are things good and kind? And what is the world like? What does the world look like if we are empathetic and loving and accepting of each other? And that's I, I want to say mooncakes and some of the existential horror are the same because it provides that same thought for me. But instead of watching characters go through that pain and go through the actual horror of experiencing it, they're going through the healing and the community building. And it's just in a lighter tone, but it, it just does the same thing. Yeah, like two halves of the same point. Yes. No, I, I, can, I can 100% understand why we ended up talking about that in this completely fluffy thing. Because it's like, it's not just the healing part of it, but what they're healing from isn't their diversity aspects, it's the universal aspects. You know, it's it's the refreshing lack of yeah. those horrors in this world. 
you know? Like, nobody is, you know, like, targeting Tam for their transgender status. Nobody is targeting Nova for her use of hearing aids. They're using the tools. They're using their their personal magic, right? But it's not, you know, they're not stripped of it, but they're free of that specific pain, you know, and what would the world be like if they were free of that specific pain, you know, other than dealing with their sense of growth and their sense of the, the universal aspects of, you know, adolescence and and healing, you know, because nobody comes out of, yes. you know, young adulthood unscathed, you know what I mean? So it's not reducing them to those aspects of themselves. It's, it's what, what would the yeah. world be like? if they were allowed to just exist. And I feel like definitely you need both. And I and I feel like there's less of this kind than there is of the other kind. And that makes me very sad. But I also think it takes a special kind of person to be able to fully encompass all of those aspects while still making those pieces of those characters present in a, in a real way. Like, we just need diverse voices in order to pull us off because I, as a neurotypical like straight white lady can't can't fully encompass that like we need more voices to be able to make this because I selfishly want to read them and also I feel like like you said it makes my heart grow 10 sizes (laughs) to know that this is there for people who resemble those characters you know it really makes me happy. Yeah. I really love it. it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything I can really add to that. It makes me happy that other people can get the representation. It makes me happy that I can relate and I can get something out of this too. And I, like, it. I've got nothing to add. I think I've said what, I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but it, this is just a really good book. Like, and I think it was, it won an award in 2020 and it deserved it. It did. I think We've come to the end of this episode. Yes. And it feels like a natural ending. It does. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Glad you're here. We hope you pick up mooncakes. Please come again. (laughs) (laughs) Please come again. Yes. What is our next episode going to be? Is our next episode the Gestapode? Yeah. No. We've got... No? We've got Gestapode next, then Book Club, then the Creator episode, so... Okay. Everybody will get to hear our first guest episode next week, and then we'll do the book club. That's gonna be great. All right. Well, I already we'll have some talk notes to you from then. some readers. It's gonna be good. Oh, you do? Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm saving it for when we're recording, so you can like react live. Ah, so. I'm so excited. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Bye. Bye. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. This is why I'm the master of mediocrity. I don't have the words.